We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a True Faith Podcast International Weekend Edition. You've got myself, Alex Hurst, and Norman Riley. This is our one-third of the season season review of Newcastle United's season to date, which has been full of... Uh, plenty of downs and a few ups recently as well. So me and Norman are going to get right into it. How how we've seen things as they've gone, why they've happened, and what's going to happen in the future. We do this every season. Uh, we normally do them in quarters, but for whatever reason, this is uh, the one third season review. Just have to say at the start of this podcast, True Faith partners with Fans Bet. If you're not into gambling and betting on sport and football, then don't. It's not for you, no problem. But if you do, uh, I would advise you. Everyone at True Faith would uh, advise you to look at Fans Bet, who share one half of their net profits from your losses uh, with selected fan partners like yourself. If you go into the FansBet website and create an account, you can choose um, a Newcastle United cause for your losing bets to go to, um, or 50% of them. And you can choose us at True Faith to help keep this podcast free of charge, uh, or you can choose a, a range of really positive Newcastle United causes on there, stuff like Lisa's Flags, um, various supporters branches and stuff like that. So have a look, check out fans, but if you like gambling, if you don't, would never ever advocate someone taking up gambling. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Just leave it alone. Um, the other thing to mention is we are on Patreon for five pounds a month. You get loads of extra Newcastle United podcasts from me and Norman. This week we've got Norman's Prem Patter podcast with the lads down in London, which is always an absolute treat to listen to. We have got the tactical review we do this week. We're looking at DRMA and Matt Ritchie's role in the team. Very specific podcast looking at their contribution or lack of contribution, whichever ever way you want to look at the stats. We've got the Burnley preview. We're going to have True Faith Any Questions, which is a really popular show where me, Norman, and the rest of the podcast team answer any questions sent our way, whether it's on Newcastle United, Mike Ashley, or uh, various other things that crop up which are quite funny and then every Saturday we do the match day podcast which is recorded before, during, after uh, the match obviously that will not be Saturday that will be recorded live from Burnley the money that we get from this you, you good people the 300 of people that will have paying us to do this go straight back into the podcast and I'll say no more than that Norman uh, Norman's Newcastle United uh, season 18-19 um, has it been so far better or worse than your pre-season expectations and why? Um, it's been worse because uh, I thought in the summer when we spoke that given that we finished 10th last season, interestingly enough, um, on Sky Sports uh, and at the, the hour before recording this on Sunday Sunday evening, they had the um, 70-18 season review and um, obviously it's one of those things you think, oh, I'll watch it for a couple of minutes, you end up watching the whole thing, um, hoping to see Newcastle goals and then they did put a few on and you saw the table at the end of the season 
and the fact that we finished fourth, uh, sorry, finished tenth, fourth, God, that would have been <laughs> the team. Um, finished, uh, um, finished tenth, and then you look, you look at the table, and we were only ten points off Burnley in seventh. We were four points off Big Spain, Spain and Everton, who finished eighth. Um, and I suppose in the summer we kind of thought, well, if he's given, Rafa's given the money, to you know, to kind of push us on. That pushing us on would have been, you know, challenging for sixth, seventh, or eighth. Um, and I think in pre-season, before, you know, everything came out in the wash again, i.e. Rafa wasn't getting every penny generated by the club, um, I'd kind of predicted us to finish ninth, I think, um, but with investment hopefully even higher up. Um, the the money the, the sorry, the, the money wasn't given, the players that he wanted didn't come in. And as the season started three or four games in, your expectations my expectations dropped from we should be challenging to, to finish higher at the table um, because the potential is there with Rafa, he showed it last season, um, and instead it becomes a case of we just need to survive. Um, so given how I felt at the start of the season, um, it's definitely lower than lower than expectations, but um, you're looking three or four games in the season, um, we're kind of, I think we're finding the position right now where I feel we'll finish at the end of the season, which is 15th or 16th. Um, if he's not given any money in the January transfer window or if we, you know, we're on a little bit of an upward trajectory at the moment given my past two results. Um, but if we suffer any, any injuries to two or three key players and we don't get investment in January, then it's going to be a real struggle. So do you, do you think that the last couple of results are more indicative of us, you know, as a team that are capable of taking points off anyone outside the top six or do you feel that we've got, if I put to you, we've got very lucky against Watford um, to win that game. And although we played very well and missed a lot of chances against Bournemouth, we're kind of like one or two Dubravka miracle saves from still being without a win. You know, that's obviously hyper negative from me. Mm. But, but we're, we're, like obviously you're saying that, that you think that even without investment, we're going to be fine. Um, and at the, at the minute we're 14th and we're kind of top of that mini league, you'd think West Ham and mm. Brighton. They're not going to be in the relegation picture realistically. I mean, Brighton have got four, Brighton maybe because you know what they're like, but they'll they'll spend in January. West Ham have have, have got twelve points in twelve games, but have got some really good players, and then have mm. shown shown that can get results. So, with those being top of that mini league from fourteenth down to twentieth, do you think that that the kind of Cardiff, Huddersfield, Fulham trio that you've got at the minute, do you think that they are the bottom three and we won't have to worry about it that much, or do you think that um, you know like we're actually probably even you know with especially with investment in January, maybe even better than what we've seen these last two games. Um, I, I think I mean going to the matches first. Um, Watford, you know, we had slices of luck. Um, but then again, uh, the reality is luck evens itself out over the over the course of the season. And and given the kind of you know the lack of luck that we'd had in all, all most of our matches prior to the Watford match, I think you know. It's it would be incorrect to say oh we won that game just pure purely through luck and nothing to do with ability. I thought we actually played really well in part in parts and you know it was almost we we reverted to type in the second half. Uh, by that I mean we we played as we did last season in that we let the opposition kind of dictate a lot of the ball. We stayed in the game until the um, you know the fortieth fifth sorry the fiftieth sixtieth minute got the goal and then and then held out. Um, obviously Watford had a really good chance at the end, but in that sort of thirty minutes. 30 minutes after we scored or whatever it was that didn't look too threatening we kind of took this thing out of the game um, and I think Bournemouth I think Bournemouth was just an excellent excellent performance and, and, and that's what that's what the players have got in the locker I mean I, I, you know you do feel that every Newcastle United victory is like achieved through a Herculean effort 
um, by the players and by the, the manager and the coaching staff. And we're in a lucky position where we've got a manager and coaching staff and players who probably will put in Herculean efforts most matches, and that'll be enough to, to see we're right. I'm not saying that we're necessarily stronger than some of the squads that may finish below us. Um, and when you say, I'm confident we'll be all right, I'm confident that we'll avoid relegation by finishing 15th or 16th, possibly even 17th. Um, but it's going to be a struggle. You know, we're not going to be out of relegation danger um, like we were last season with five games to go. I'd be very surprised. You know, I think I think it could go down to the wire the last two or three games of the season. Um, again, that might be the case if we get investment in January. But I'm, I mean, I'm sure we'll discuss that in a bit. Um, it's a big if and a big mate. But um, with the squad we've got at the moment, barring injuries um, and the fact that Rafa's staying until the end of the season, I think we've got enough in the tank to avoid relegation because we can pull good performances out um, as I say through that kind of that Herculean effort um, and and other teams um, regardless of the money they've got to spend they're just not going to be managed very well I think Cardiff will get relegated um, I think Fulham have dropped a, a massive bollock appointing Ranieri that's an, an absolutely atrocious appointment um, you know what I might, I might be I might be back at the end of the season completely eat me words but to drop Jukanovic because of Fulham's defensive frailties and to bring in Ranieri, I mean, I can't understand the logic to that at all. I mean, his side at Nantes, the second season at Leicester, they were terrible. You know, they won the league, which is great, but and you can't take that achievement away from Ranieri. But oh my God, every single kind of um, you know, every single kind of thing that could have aligned for them aligned that season. Um, and I think we were, we got more of what Ranieri's actually like as a manager the following season when they're really struggling replacing with Shakespeare and then Ranieri went to Nantes and Nantes conceded a load of goals in France um, it's it's a really odd decision um, so I think they'll struggle um, Huddersfield I, th- I really rate Wagner as a manager um, he's a bit one dimensional um, but Huddersfield you know have done incredibly well to stay up and to still be competitive but they just they just don't score enough goals they just do not score enough goals and I don't think they've got the, the pulling power in the January transfer window to bring anyone in who will, who will be able to bang the goals and that they need to stay up. Um, and Southampton, as long as Mark Hughes is there, are absolutely bollocks because <laughs> they're, they're atrocious as well. So, yeah, we are relying on other teams being shocking and making poor decisions. Um, but at the same time, because we've got, to a certain extent, a squad of battle-hardened players in a relegation battle. That was last season. Uh, they picked up a lot of experience. And Rafa knows what he's doing, so... Yeah, with what we've got, I think we'll be okay. You know, I say think, I don't say we will. My take on it is that you have... You're right, you looked at the table in the last season. I I, I hadn't realised until this season how much of a confidence-reliant side we are. Now, you saw that last season with the nine-game run, kind of this time of year. Um, you saw it kind of this last January a little bit as well. Um, but looking at that Spurs performance in that Spurs game um, when we when we lost, but we really we really shouldn't have lost that game. I mean, you know, sloppy defending and lack of you know lack of quality finishing and some really bad luck hitting the crossbar, hitting the post, um, missing various other chances. Um, it, it it's funny to me, or in fact, it's not funny. It's worrying to me how from that Chelsea performance, a dodgy preseason didn't really affect the confidence levels for that Spurs game, and then we will go to Cardiff, and we're shit. And it's it's it just from that point on, the lack of confidence in front of goal or as an attacking force just just seeped out of this set of players at, at a rate that I've never seen before. And it's kind of like this season so far. You've had a perfect storm. 
but he had a shite summer, which we all know about, um, with the club making a huge uh, transfer profit, despite Lee Charnley. Funny thing is, Lee Charnley in the fans forum was saying, well, actually, it was only like we actually spent £2 million more on transfers than we did on um, incomings because of the way deals are structured. Well, you know, what about the rest of the money? <laughs> like it's it, like it's almost like you know as if it's just just transfer um spend that you can reinvest it's like what about the rest of the money what about the like 70 million pound surplus that we should have had the 50 to 70 million pound considering that the club brought in about 170 million pound turnover last season you'd think um spends about 80 million quid on wages and then has about 25 million pound running costs like where, where's the rest of it where has the money gone but that's not what this podcast is about um, so you had all that, and then you had is an opening set of fixtures: Tottenham, Chelsea, Man City, and Arsenal and Man United in your first eight games. Um, not to mention Cardiff City away, and then Arsenal at home, who were absolutely flying, as it turns out, and Palace away, who are not flying. Um, that's a really, really hard start, and that's obviously seeped into the Leicester, Southampton performances as well, and the Crystal Palace performance, and. I thought would do better this season um, but I was wrong about the kind of confidence of the players and you've had that major issue Dwight Gale going on loan who for all his flaws in front of goal was kind of an integral part of that team that did so well if you remember last season we really struggled in the league until and you had Hosloo playing up front a lot of games um, and then eventually for whatever reason I can't I can't remember the, maybe it was it might have even been Man United itself or, or Palace away one of the two where I think it was Palace away after Hosloo missed that pen against Burnley at home where Dwight Gale started up front by himself and then wasn't out of the team for the rest of the season apart from I think it was West Brom against um, when Slomani went up there. So Dwight Gale up front worked for us. Now he's brought in Rondon. Now we have seen emphatically that Rondon works because of that performance. Well, the two performances really against Watford and against Bournemouth. Uh, so Rondon not being fit all season has been a massive issue. The lack of Dwight Gale, a massive issue. The fixture list, the lack of confidence, it's kind of all come together to make one shit show, which has been this season so far. And things are immeasurably better after the last two weeks and the last two wins. But we're kind of top of this mini-league, which has Newcastle, Burnley, Palace, Southampton, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Fulham. Now, none of those teams there have shown anything, in my opinion, so far. To, let, to make me think that they're going to, for some reason, pull away from relegation trouble this season. They're going to get away from it. Like, you know, they haven't really been playing as well as they could be, blah, blah, blah. Fulham aren't good enough. They've got a load of attacking players uh, who are really good and cost loads of money but can't defend. They couldn't really defend last season in the Championship, certainly not as well as Cardiff. Um, and, and, and let's not forget, they did go up through the playoffs as well. Um, you've got Huddersfield, who can't uh, score goals or win away from home. You've got Cardiff, who have done a very good job in terms of you know getting a good win against Brighton in the last minute, which is massive for them, and beating Fulham. Um, you've got Southampton, like you say, who are fucked as long as Mark Hughes is there. You've got Palace, who can't score. <coughs> Excuse me. And you've got Burnley, who basically are, weren't that good last season. If you look at their expected goals and all those kind of stats, should have been towards the bottom of the league. Anyway, they won a lot of games where they had very few chances scored and conceded shitloads of chances and kept them out. Uh, that's not sustainable long term. And then you've got us, um, who are decent defensively, but don't score many goals. Now, in terms of all of those teams there, maybe with the exception of Cardiff, uh, Huddersfield to an extent, but then Huddersfield are, you know, Huddersfield, we're the one out of all of them who look like we're going in the right direction. Would you agree with that? Would you say that out of all those teams, we seem to be the one with the momentum, the performances and the improvement? Aye, I would. Um 
Burnley, Burnley's a good shout, actually. Uh, Burnley last season finishing seventh um, in pretty much not not being a particularly good side. Um, they were just they were just consistent, and it sounds it sounds kind of contradictory saying they were consistent, but they weren't very good. Um, they were. I don't think they were any better last season than they are this season. Um, they just had you know the rubber the rubber the green a bit more um, for, for the majority of last season, and what they did have was that kind of you know that defensive. Solidity. I don't even know if it's necessarily they had an organised defence. I think what they had was players just throwing themselves in the way of the ball. You know, the players just putting one hundred percent in every match. And like you say, it's um, it's unsustainable and, and it showed the season because they're conceding goals left, right, and centre. Um, whether or not Joe Hart's playing a part in that, uh, I don't know. But um, they look absolutely on the last legs to me already. Um, they look like a team that is in a, in a massive downward trajectory. Um, and I think I out of out of all those teams you mentioned. We're, we're the ones that look, I don't know, I think we've got a little bit more about us. Um, and again, I, I, you know, I, I've mentioned it and I mentioned it and I mentioned it, but the Rafa factor is huge. Um, and also what we do have is we have a really good defence. Our defence is excellent. Um, in terms of the centre-halves that we have at the club at the moment, I, I don't recall a time when we've had such a, a, you know, a, a strong um, quartet. I mean, Quintet, if you include Clark in that, but you know that that many good centre 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 defenders to choose from. Um, we need obviously cover at left back, um, and, and right back read to a certain extent. But in the centre of the pitch, um, we're really solid, and I just think that that defensive organisation means that we we are in a better position than all of those all of those other clubs. It'll be keeping Mike Ashley up at night. You know the fact we've got five, arguably first team centre defenders, probably on first team wages as well. Like we'll be absolutely buzzing about the fact we've got six points. He'll be thinking five centre backs. What a waste of money. <laughs> um, oh, uh. But yeah, so to finish my point, yeah, it's been much worse than expected. But I, I see us going in the in the right direction compared to other teams. I mean, you look at Bournemouth and Watford got a six and seventh league with twenty points. But Watford should have beat where like they should have taken one of those chances. And if you score first against us, you win the game. Um, but 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 for that, you're right. When we scored that goal would look like a much better team and a much more threatening team than them and, and particularly Bournemouth for the full 90 almost despite the fact that Bournemouth have their spells would look like a better team than them and that's a team with 20 points in 12 games which is very impressive and if you look at just to touch on Burnley once more Burnley's only home win came against Bournemouth and they beat them 4-0 and Burnley had four shots on goal in the whole game mm-hmm. just four shots and they all went in so it was kind of like last season repeating itself and then you've seen Burnley's results since have kind of been proof that you know, this this isn't going to last very long for me. We, we might talk a little bit later about our massive game with them, but I think we'll be all right. And although it shouldn't be this shit, we should be up there with... You could argue that if Rafa was back properly, we'd be up there with Bournemouth and Watford in 6th and 7th, they're on that top four. But definitely around, you know, the Wolves, Brighton, Leicester, who aren't going to get relegated and are going to have a much more comfortable season than we will. That's where we should be if the manager was back properly. But we'll see what happens in January. Um, the next thing I want to ask you about Norman is have we deserved more do you think we should have more points based on the performances we've put in this season because a lot of fans seem to think that's the case um, I, I don't know it, it, you know Tottenham home I think a draw would have been a fair result Chelsea home probably a draw would have been a fair result um, Cardiff away the draw was the right result both sides were absolutely abysmal um, Southampton Again, both sides were abysmal. Southampton probably shared it in terms of how many times they had the ball in the box, but they were so utterly inefficient with it, they didn't deserve anything more than a point. Um, 
Leicester at home didn't deserve anything out of that, even though Leicester, you know, you could argue that they only had two chances to Tottenham both, we still were poor. Um, we took three points against Watford, despite the fact that for 60 minutes of the game, Watford were the better side. Bournemouth was definitely deserved, uh, deserved victory. Man U, for the majority of the match, i.e. the first 65 minutes, we deserved a win, but Man U are a class side and they came back and beat us. Um, I think, I think you know, a draw in that match would have been a, would have been a fair result, but... Um, it's it's football. It's it it's just swings and roundabouts, isn't it? We we probably deserve points in games last season that we didn't get, and we probably got points last season that we, you know, we ought not we've got on the balance of play. It's just how it is. Um, I think I think nine points. Um, you know, you could argue that ten or eleven points might be a more a more fair reflection of how we played in a couple of other games. But um, no, I don't I don't think we're going see. I don't think we can really turn around and see. Oh, if it wasn't for bad luck, we'd have like fifteen, sixteen points on the board. You know, because ultimately we've. We've had luck in matches um, as well, i.e. The, specifically the, the, the Watford match. Yeah. And I put this to uh, you people listening at TF Weekly Pod uh, to try and get some sort of feedback on this. And it was a pretty mixed response. I think your response there, Norman, was very good. Uh, before I go into the kind of listener responses, I agree with you. I think for a team that's 14th in the league right now, that is what got scored six goals at home and... Uh, nine, uh, three goals away. So we've got nine goals in twelve games. You're not, you're never going to find yourself much higher than lower mid table or in a relegation scrap. And let's not forget, it feels pretty good right now. We're, we're one point away from the relegation zone uh, and two points away from nineteenth place. We've got a bit of a four point gap on Fulham, who was, as you've said, was just changed the manager. And I totally agree with your assessment of, of of Ranieri in that position. I think it is. A really, really bizarre replacement, um, and a nice guy that he clearly is. But I mean, Yukanovic was a nice guy. Um, I mean, seriously, mate. Seriously, Fulham. I'm not kidding you. In my opinion, and again, you know, if I'm proved wrong, it just you know confirms the fact that I know virtually fuck all about football. Mm. But um, the they'd have been better off going for Steve Bruce than the Wood Ranieri in that position. I'm not kidding <laughs> you. Um, but there you go. Uh, we'll we'll soon we'll soon find out whether or not I'm talking shit. I mean, Fulham. Fulham have conceded 30, 31 goals so far this season. Thirty-one goals. That is that is that is some some good. I mean, to concede four goals to that Cardiff side. Wow. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off point. Yeah, I think you can't create as little as we created and expect to be any higher in the league. But I think with the defensive solidity that we we'll have, I think we're clearly better than Cardiff, Huddersfield, and, and Fulham. Now we've got Fulham at home and Huddersfield away back to back games in December. Um, I don't know whether you're going to be at Northport. We're well, definitely going to Huddersfield, me and you. Um, and then I don't know whether you're coming up for Fulham or not. But they are. That's like the season right there. I remember um, mm. the relegation season. We had uh, who did we have Villa at home and West Brom away um, about the same time. This is under McLaren, and we took one point from those yeah. two games. And that and that's Villa who who were like had like three points from twenty two games or something stupid at the time. And we'll fail to beat them in one of the most demoralising days ever. It's in James's Park for me. I, I don't know if people remember, but like, Colachini put us in front, right? He did, and uh, I, I was I was telling all the lads at half time that the game was going to be called off because it was it was so wet. It was the pitch looked so you know. And obviously, McLaren after the game was like, well, if it hadn't been raining, <laughs> like Steve, you tried to set up Newcastle to counter attack against one of the worst teams in the history of the league. Um, it's got nothing to do with the rain, but. Um, these games anywhere that we've got in that week when we've got Fulham Huddersfield away Fulham at home 
that's like that's kind of you know that's your four points there. You're looking at four or six points there, or be worried with anything else. So we'll we'll know a lot more after those two games, I think, about where we stand. But in terms of deserving more, you're right. I, I don't think we deserve. I think we're lucky to get a point in Southampton. I think we're lucky to get a point at Palace if on the balance of play. We should have probably beaten Brighton, although we're very poor in the second half. Um, you're right about Leicester. You could argue we deserved at least a point for Man United away if the referee had done the right thing, blah, blah, blah. And a few people have pointed that out, that if the referee had done various things, then we might we might have more points. Um, but we're probably where we deserve to be. Uh, looking at the goals scored column, um, Christ, Palace. <laughs> Palace have only scored eight goals a season, which is worse than us. Um, but then, Palace, uh, you know, look at Southampton as well, only scored eight goals a season. So any team that fails to find the back of their net is regularly as we do is going to be struggling like I've said but some really good points David McAndrew said um, yeah maybe we do deserve more points but we've often relied on Dubravka to make like vital match winning saves so if your goalkeeper is one of your players of the season then chances are you you probably don't deserve way you know you hide way but some of the responses that were had on Twitter um, really good Alex Wilson says apart from what should have been six points away at Cardiff from Man United it's fair considering the shock and hand Benitez has been given um, to where we are in the league. Adam, Adam, our own very own Adam Woodrington absolutely deserve more points based on performance. We deserve more points for Spurs, Cardiff, Brighton, Man United, and Chelsea. And that's not a bad way of looking at. It. You think a point against Spurs, three against Cardiff, like even one against Chelsea, Man United, um, and Brighton. Well, that's like one, two, three, four. That's an extra seven points, and you're you're up there on like, <laughs> you know, above Brighton and next to Wolves. So it's it's funny how it turns out. I mean, it's an interesting argument from Adam. Uh, Sam yeah, but says, then you take away, take take away the take away like the say let's let's say it's a draw against Watford, knock two points right. off. Let's yeah. say Cardiff, even. you know, yeah. Cardiff, Cardiff Palace and Southampton possibly shared it against her. Or let's say sorry, Palace and Southampton take those two points away. There's four points gone. So yeah, you know, you you can make get like an extra five or six points in games. You might deserve something from. But then you take away the points from the games that we didn't deserve. Maybe didn't deserve anything from. It's just you know, I I, I think I think maybe maybe ten eleven points would probably be a more fair reflection, but. Oh, I don't know. To oh, see yeah. getting in the realms of like sort of 14, 15 points is a bit, it's a bit fantastical, I think. Yeah, the vast majority of people joining Cross may be a point or two, but it hasn't been a case of being robbed by referee decisions, misfortune, um, etc. Um, realistically, a lot of people seem, seem to think, well, I should have maybe three, four points more based on performances. If that's the case, that's a good thing, you know, and, and that suggests again that there's more to come from this side. And I think there is as well. Uh, so you know the future looks a little bit more bright than certainly did a few weeks ago uh, okay Norman let's talk about players of the season so far which players have unexpectedly impressed you so I want a player from you that's unexpectedly impressed and a player which has underperformed in your opinion so far this season um, I think you know no surprise um, Federico Fernandez has been absolutely fan- he's been fantastic um, he's he's a, he's, a, he's a kind of old school Defender, he's he just he just defends. He's really good in the air. He's puts in those kind of tackles that you know really get the crowd going. And, and he's a leader and an organizer. He's been he's been an absolute bargain. I mean, he's he's already justified the fact that we paid six million for him. Um, to a, he's one of those where you think like if Lascelles got long term injury and Fernandez was played alongside Shea Olajuwon, we wouldn't actually miss Lascelles as much as yeah we would have done last season because Fernandez is as I say he's got the same. The same kind of presentism, um, and actually a little bit more experience. I'm not saying he's a he's a better player. Oh, he's going to go on, you know, or Lascelles won't go on go on and have a better career. But I just think he's been he's been that good that um, we, you know, we could cope 
better with an injury to to Lascelles than we could have done last season. Um, and uh, a shout out for me for Yedlin. I think Yedlin's been really good. Um, I, you know, there's still a major question mark over his positional sense defensively, but I, I think he's just he's just got better. Like. Uh, Almost month on month since since Rafa signed him, um, he had a bit of a bad spell. Obviously, we know last season after the the hammering home to Watford, but um, he's I think he's been really good. I think he's been really good this season. Um, as I say, if he doesn't if he doesn't kind of uh, improve his positional sense over the next two to three seasons, and once his pace starts going, he might be found out a bit as a as a defender. But um, you know that I think I'm being over, maybe overly critical there. But I just think he's he's been really really good. Um, and Dubravka has been an absolute revelation, but we kind of knew that he would be. And anyways, due, due to how he played towards the end of last season. Um, in terms of disappointments, oh, it's easy to see a Perez. It, it, it's it's almost too easy to see a Perez. Um, but I think you look you look at look at Perez's career at Newcastle. That's just what he is. He's a he's a one and a half million pound player from the Spanish second division who goes through fits and starts. Sometimes he'll go through three or four games of being excellent, really good at clinical finishing, and then. Other times he'll just be utterly non-existent. Um, I think you could possibly say that Richie's a, a look to me like he's been a bit of a, a declining force this season. Um, when you compare the impact he's had, you know, in the championship season and in the second half of last season, um, but to say he's been a disappointment, I don't know. Again, I, th- I feel that's a bit a bit um, overly critical. Um, I think Shelby's possibly underperformed, but again, I think that's more down to the fact that Dwight Gale was sent out on loan to West Brom. And Shelby hasn't had the person up front who can utilise, you know, the, his his talents better. Um, so I, I don't want to be very critical and say any people have really like been, you know, have underperformed. I just think some people have been a little bit, a little bit disappointing. But to a certain extent, it's it's almost been out of their hands. Yes, uh, and I, I I broadly agree in everything you say there. Really quickly on Yedlin, I I kind of get the feeling Yedlin's one of those players that when the team plays well or when the team wins he always has a great game and that might sound obvious but there are certain players that doesn't apply to I think Yedlin at his best seems to match the team and like you know yes his defensive position's a little bit out and he not you know what again just as Perez is 1.5 million pound striker from Tenerife who's repaid that value however many times in terms of contribution to Newcastle United he'd say Yedlin at 5 million um, in the Premier League you aren't for five million going to get someone who's got every single box ticked in terms of attribute, mm-hmm. particularly defensively. But what you do have is someone who has made countless interventions in our penalty area this season, who's made a huge impact going forward, particularly when the team have been struggling to create stuff. And you've got a player who opposition players don't like playing against. I don't think he's mm-hmm. that. Yeah, they might like running at him. Um, from an, you know, wingers might like running at him, and sometimes I think he gets let down a little bit by Richie. Um, defensively but you know down that right hand side he causes oppositions a real headache and I think his performances this season like you say have been a real positive and he's absolutely if you look at the start of last season he hadn't nailed that that place down you know him and Mankio were kind of vying it's not even a it's not even a question these days is it about who starts at right back for Newcastle United so fair play to DeAndre Edlin I agree with you Perez I think Perez has been disappointing this season and it, I don't think he's shit and I don't think he doesn't deserve to play but he definitely needed that spell out the team um, mm-hmm. when he was dropped I think it was for, for Brighton um, for whatever reason um, and then he it's it's a bit like last season he, he got dropped and then he came back in and all of a sudden he's a different player he just, he just needs that rocker sometimes and 
I was at the um, the Watford game and the, the, the booze definitely happened because he, he he wasn't reacting to nothing. But I would love to know. I would just love love kind of to just to, to kind of talk through in private. You know, someone who boos one of our own players onto the pitch, like what the what the thought process is behind that. Like what? Just describe that situation. I mean, that's what it is. Describe the situation. Why you were booing one of our own players onto the pitch? Who went on to score the winner? Um, but I think Perez overall has been disappointing in terms of the, the standards that he hit at the start of last season. Last two games, fantastic, really good. So let's hope it's the start of something positive. Um, and yeah, so I put this again to the listeners and for uh, Federico Fernandez has had um, you know unbelievable amount of mentions, loads of mentions for Dubravka as well. But Fernandez is an absolute fans' favourite and. I know Norman, uh, you'd had a few drinks at this one, but Palace away. I mean, is he was just absolutely magnificent. Then would have lost that game if he wasn't playing. That's the only player on the pitch. I was saying that if he wasn't playing that day, whether it was Shaw, whether it was Lejeune, he is tackling against Wilfred Zahar was so crisp and so perfect, um, and so and timed so well in crucial positions and crucial blocks that. That's when I realised that this is a, this is a real player here. Obviously, Rafa had him before at Naples, and he, you know he'd come from Swansea in a, in a tough game, a tough team. Sorry, where they were relegated, but he just seems to have got better and better and better as the season's gone on. And you're absolutely right that defensively with the centre backs that we've got, I mean, it's a real joy. I'm going to put you on the spot, Norman. Um, who are Newcastle United's best centre back pairing, presuming everyone's fit? Right now, um, well, well, just just it, well, obviously Lejeune's uh, injured, but yeah, presuming yeah. everyone's fit, who who uh, plays uh, for you? Presuming everyone's fit, uh, right? I'll tell you what, I'm going to say Fernandez and Lejeune. But the the reason I'll say that is just because Fernandez has just been better than um, Lascelles this season. It's it's quite. I think he's been better now. To actually see if they're all fully fit, who would you put on the side? It's it's really impossible answer um, because. Lascelles is a really fantastic player and you know there's every chance that Fernandez might have a, have a dip in form um, but right now put it this way if they're all fully fit I wouldn't be disappointed if the bat, if the, the two centre-halves were um, either Lascelles and Lejeune or Fernandez and Lejeune I think Lejeune is like when he's fit is vital because I, think, yeah, I just think he's an excellent player and I think Shea's kind of a you know like a, a lesser version of Lejeune but even then even, even if Lascelles, Shea and Fernandez are fit. I would still rather have Shea and either Fernandez or Lascelles because of the importance of having at least one ball playing centre half. So there you go, mate. I don't know if that answered your question. It, do, it doesn't. I agree. I've never ever advocated ever three at the back. I've thought I thought Rafa would do it sometimes, but I've never thought that's what we should play. But I would. Part of me just wants to see these three magnificent centre backs: Lascelles, Fernandez, and and Lejeune in the same team. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we could even go for something absolutely batshit. Like you remember when uh, Joe Kinnear played Colachini and holding midfield for no reason against Man City away in the relegation season. Just do that, Rafa. One game, just see, see, just play Lillian, hold the midfield, see what happens. How 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 bad could it go? Imagine him and him and Diarme kind of holding in front of the two, and then we'll just play like you know four really attacking <laughs> lads ahead of them. Um, but I would love to see them all in the same same team one day and just just try it to see see someone try and score. Maybe like Man City at home or Liverpool at home, like later on in the season. But you know when Rafa tends to go ultra defensive, um, stick those three in and see what Sergio can do against them. I, I, t- I tell you what, mate. If um, if Diarmi got injured 
I'd rather that um, Lascelles or Fernandez were playing as the, as the defensive midfielder oh. than Isaac Hayden. Than Isaac Hayden purely because I just think Isaac Hayden's head is just not in the right place to be playing at Newcastle anymore. It's not a bad throw, but Lascelles, wow. Holding midfield, the, the bloke, the bloke kind of pass a ball. Like great, de- <laughs> great defender, <laughs> great bloke, great defender. But 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 I, I would I would I'd rather play Dubravka the there. Like in terms yeah, of board playing ability, I think, no, I, I think the overall point was is how, how little confidence I've got now yeah. in the game as opposed <laughs> to what I think of myself as a whole midfielder. Yeah, that's like you know, would you be rather stuck on a desert island with no water and no food? Basically, that's that's what I'm putting that question, that type of question to. Who would you rather have a <laughs> head not a cells bit holding midfield? Adam Woodrick again made a point, and this is one for you, Norman. Um, Shelby's been incredibly important too. Thoughts on that? Because Shelby seemed to have a very impressive start um, and then has tailed off a little bit. And now you've seen that the last two games, where we've scored our goals and picked up your points, picked up our points, it's been Kate and Diame. Um, your thoughts mm. on Shelby this season and, and if he gets back in the team for you at the minute? Well, I, 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 just, uh, I just said didn't I, a few minutes ago that I think actually Shelby's been one of the players that I've been disappointed with but again you know, I would uh, caveat that with the fact that I don't necessarily think it's, it's his fault because he is a magnificent footballer um, I think I, I think Shelby's tailed off significantly since yeah since the maybe the third third fourth game of the season um, and I just think it's because he's had nothing ahead of him and Shelby his vision and his passing ability or you know or, or better than anyone I've seen at the club for you know for years really um and he's just missed having a mobile centre forward. Um, whether Rondon getting fit and take, getting an extended run of the team would change things. I mean, who knows? I, I'd imagine it would, to be honest with you. Um, but like you say, Key, Key's been so good. Um, he was so good against Bournemouth and he was excellent when he came out against Watford that it, it would be a tough decision to drop Key. I, I wouldn't want to see Key drop, basically, um, at the minute. Um, oh, it's a tough one. Would I want to see him drop for Shelby? I don't know. I, I, because Shelby is so good that you just know for a fact he's going to be back in the team at some point. He's going to be doing really well. Um, but overall, um, he hasn't hit the heights of uh, that he can. But as I say, that's because he's been the team lacking confidence and in a team that hasn't given him the um, the tools that he needs up front to to show what he can do. What about playing them together? What are your thoughts on that, Shelby and Key? Key and Shelby, I'd love to see it. I'd love to. Depend on the match. I think. I think. Um, I think the, there are games where you could play um, Kane Shelby together. You look Fulham at home would be a classic example of playing Kane Shelby together. I don't necessarily think Diarmuid would be, would be um, you know, needed the way that he is against a side that is so porous as Fulham. Um, and I think Kane Shelby could could run the show. Um, but there are other matches where Diarmuid would be absolutely vital. So it's just it just depends depends, I guess, on the opposition. I don't know. Is that is that something you would agree with? Oh, it, it would be a big call. So first of all, I'd, I'd say that quite damning for Shelby, and this isn't his fault, is that Diarmé's best performances this season, again, have come in the last two games. When Key's come on, Diarmé's looked like a much better player with Key. Mm. I mean, Diarmé's tackling for the whole season. He gets a lot of stick, Diarmé. Um, his tackling stats are up there with the best in the league. He consistently wins back possession more than any other player, or not any other player, but most other players in the Premier League. Um I think you always need someone in central midfield who has the ability to, to, to just run at a player and win the ball off him. I think if you're going to play Fulham, and, and let's not forget a lot of games, our midfield two outnumbered in midfield. You've always got Perez on the number 10 dropping back, trying to kind of hurry and hustle and win possession. But if you're going to be out 
numbered in midfield. I don't know if Shelby and Key are your are your men for that. Um, I think you know it's definitely something that you'd like to see purely because of of, of how aesthetically pleasing it would probably be. But the problem, the problem with Shelby, and Shelby was fantastic at the start of the season. Performances at Cardiff uh, against Spurs, I think, was injured for the Chelsea game, injured for the Arsenal game, um, and he's come. He came back in, and, and you see a real difference. But the worse we've got, the deeper he's played. And, and I got sent a really good message by someone, and I forget who, which is really bad. But it was a great point saying against Brighton when Shelby picks up the ball, and it was the same in the Championship, the early days of the Championship when we struggled. When Shelby like literally plays as like a third centre back, collecting the ball from the centre backs, the whole team just freezes. And you might get Kennedy tries to make a run, and you might get in the past it with Dwight Gale, and it was more successful. Or you might get Matt Ritchie tries to make a run, but everyone else just stands still because it's like right, well, John Joe's got the ball, so it's up to him what happens now. And I want John Joe Shelby receiving the ball, kind of thirty five, forty yards from the opponent's goal, not in our own half from the centre-back or not on the halfway line because it just doesn't work ultimately and you go back to when he first signed and we scored that fantastic goal against West Ham I think at the start of 2016 where he did pick the ball up very deep finds Jan Matt great run great touch great cross great finish by Wijnaldum but unfortunately we don't we don't have those players anymore and it, it we didn't have those players doing it consistently then and Shelby's great problem has always been for such a talented player he doesn't score goals and he doesn't assist goals um, and you've seen Key already assist one and you've seen Key do what Shelby doesn't and that's run with the ball in midfield now Diame occasionally tries it but he's not very good at it and, and what Key brings that Shelby doesn't is the ability to run with the ball and we saw that against Watford as soon as he started running at Watford's midfield, it turned them round and Will Hughes pulls them down and will score from the free kick. If Shelby's on the pitch with the ball in the same position at the same time with the same player in front of him, he doesn't do that. He looks for a pass sideways or he looks for one over the top or through. And they are good balls and, and they, they do work, but ultimately you've got to say that Newcastle United is an attacking force, particularly in the centre midfield, hasn't been working this season. And as soon as Key came in, you notice a difference. So for me, Shelby doesn't get back in the team. And it's it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean I think he's finished at Newcastle United. There'll be injuries, there'll be suspensions, there'll be loss of form. Um, but John Joe Shelby needs to play in the opponent's half of the pitch as often as possible and, and carry the ball. Um, and until he starts doing that, I think he's a better option for the side. But we'll see. It's a nice it's a nice problem to have. Like you say, we're so short um, in central midfield uh, that you know I, I'm the same as you. I don't think Hayden... Is Hayden's head's at the right place, and I don't think he can be trusted to play that position for Newcastle. So, yeah, um, it, it, it's a worrying case of any real injuries. But at the end of the day, um, Shelby's dropped out of the team, Key's come in, and, and, and the team, Key has done well, and the team has done well. So, he's got to keep playing there for me. And I think Shelby's form has really tailed off in the past, in the, you know, in the few weeks before, um, before the, the Watford game. So he has been a disappointment. Um, Matt Ritchie and Diarme, we're going to talk about a more depth this week for parents, so we'll not go into that now in terms of their performances this season. Interesting one that a few people on Twitter said that Kennedy had been one of the players of the season. And, and he just, you know, like other wingers perform, he just divides opinion, this lad. Um, your thoughts on Kennedy Norman this season and his performances? Um, I think he's an exceptionally talented player, but he's a young winger who is going to like, produce brilliance and then just be a complete non-entity it's going to, he's going to be inconsistent I think and I think that's just I think that's just the, the, the type of player that he, he looks like he is he's on his days a world beater um, we, we've seen it and he's been 
excellent in the past um, past couple in, in the in the, in the past couple of matches. Um, that tackle against Watford was. I mean, it was yeah. how fucking rageous, wasn't as, it? As, as um, good as a goal, as yeah. good as a goal. Yeah, uh, and, and the cross for Rondon was just, I mean, I mean, it was just fucking sexual. It was so <laughs> good. Um, and, you know, this, this is what it's going to be with Kenny, I think. I mean, he, he was great away against Old Trafford, but up to, up to the match at Old Trafford, he, he'd been terrible. Um, again, you know, there's a wider point that his teammates haven't been particularly good as well. Like, So, you know, it's not going to just a case of him being, him being terrible and the rest of the team being brilliant. Um, but I think... I think he's a he's a phenomenal player. I think the say you're better with him in it, um, but he will be inconsistent. And the, the problem that we've got is is that when he's on the pitch and he's not producing the goods, you know, you, you, Kennedy's one of those players, isn't he? You can tell after about five or six minutes whether or not he's going to have a good game or not. You can just tell. He's, he's, his body language, he, his movement, if a couple of passes go straight, he's kind of head hangs a little bit. Um, and then you can tell within five or six minutes if he's going to have an absolute blinder. Um, again, the problem is the strength and depth. Um, we, we don't have anyone who can come in from him. Uh, you could say, you know, if he's having a bad game, haul him off on 50 minutes for Jacob Murphy. But unfortunately, there's, you know, it, it looks like Rafa doesn't particularly trust Murphy. Um, so I I'm, I think it's just a case of being patient when the money's down in the dumps and, you know, just enjoying the moments where he's good because when he's good, he's fucking brilliant. Well, so I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, finish off this week's podcast, Norman. Uh, give me some predictions. Do you think Rafa will get backed in January? And if so, if not, will he be here next season? Uh, I don't think he'll get backed. I think we might get a couple of loan signings in if he's lucky and he won't be here next season. Can't say I disagree, but really, 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 really hope we're wrong. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and kind of final position, where, where do you think we'll finish considering that you don't think he'll get backed? Um, Fulham, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Southampton, Burnley. I think we'll finish probably fifteenth, fourteenth. Yeah. Fuck it, let's go mad. Fourteenth. <laughs> this is uh, the Newcastle United that Mike Ashley has built. Okay, that's What's it for prediction? me. My prediction would be: I think that one of the te- I think the bottom three will go down. I think the Southampton. One of Southampton, Palace and Burnley will spend really big in January and I think two of them will get rid of their managers. One of them will get a bounce. So we'll finish 15th. Um, and I think that whoever replaces reference, some will get a few quid to spend, but ultimately it'll be too late. Uh, and I have a feeling, so I have a slight feeling that because Rafa, if Rafa is going at the end of the season, we might do something in the FA Cup. But that's maybe an ultra-positive. Um, this has been me and Norman and uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show if you do like the show consider subscribing to see what it's like on Patreon and you know you can always leave us a, a positive review on, on Google Podcasts or iTunes that's always really helpful this Thursday we should have another free pod up for you uh, considering there's not going to be one at the weekend or we'll, I'll probably record something on the way back when I'm driving back from Burnley on Monday night uh, we've got two or three people from the Magpie group coming on to talk about what's gone on this weekend uh, and I'm going to basically play a bit of a devil's advocate because I'm personally very supportive of their actions but I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate I'm going to collate as many negative things as I can from Twitter um, and try and get as many questions from people who I know who don't like what they do and just put it all to them and say well you know come on answer these questions if you're you know if you're able to lead the fans in, in this in this action against Mike Ashley can you explain yourselves and 
you know, hopefully it'll come across quite well and they'll be able to answer a lot of questions. Um, so that should be this Thursday. They've agreed to do it. Haven't sorted out finals yet in terms of who's doing it and what time and stuff. But yeah, have a listen out for that. Uh, hopefully it'll be on. Thanks for listening to this podcast and thanks for listening to True Faith. We'll be back with you soon. Cheers. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.